It's the Hive Sports Podcast, bringing you all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State. Visit us at thehivesports.com. Against Gobert, puts his shoulder down, rolls inside, try to slam it home, and Rudy said, not tonight! John Beck is on the run, he throws behind him, it is, cut for the touchdown! Merrill for the lead, he's got it! Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining the Real Salt Lake podcast here at the Hive Sports, where we've got everything Real Salt Lake for you for this week. A lot of things happening, kind of a bittersweet week, a lot of excitement, uh, a lot of fun, you know, a little bit of disappointment as well throughout this week. Uh, or am I right, Alex? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's good to be back on the pod, but it's uh, kind of unfortunate circumstances having just lost to the worst team in the West. Yeah. That was, a, that was a bit of a tough one, and we will uh, talk about that and uh, cover all the games, the recaps and the performances from the players as well. I'm really excited to, uh, to talk about the games and break those down this week. But before we jump into those games, let's go ahead and get started with our favorite segment of the day. It is the Monarch Minute with Alex. It absolutely is, uh, and we are back with, unfortunately... More of the same from the Real Monarchs, who lost 1-0 on Wednesday and then lost 3-0 tonight to Rio Grande Valley. It continues to be a very, very, very developmental season, to put it lightly. Uh, In Monarchs news, they signed Leo Torres. He's 17 and from San Antonio FC. He's on loan for the rest of the year. Midfielder attacking-ish, I would say. um, We haven't really seen enough from him to know, I think, for sure. Uh, but in the first game of the week, Jimmy Slayton had a pretty good PK save. Uh, Monarchs would go on to lose that game, though. And tonight they had a much, much rougher game. Deusnip with his first, I think, kind of major mistake. He kind of flubbed a long-distance shot. And uh, forward for Rio Grande Valley, Amo uh, crashed the box and scored. Uh, he would go on to bobble another one later and nearly the same thing happened, but the refs called it back because they said he had a hand on it. So they couldn't kick it out from under him. But other than that, pretty standard performance from the Monarchs, which is unfortunately not a good thing. However, the commentators were very clear in acknowledging the fact that this is a Real Monarchs 2.0 as the front office is kind of building it. And it is filled with Academy kids and young youth internationals. One standout stat was that 11 teenagers were on the roster tonight for the Monarchs. And as I've said in the past, that is a very good thing. I would rather see the Monarchs lose and develop academy kids and young guys that could actually see first team minutes than win with 26 and 27 year old USL veterans that will probably never see minutes for RSL. So despite the despite the tough circumstances of the score lines, I would say that it was all in all a decent week for the Monarchs because we got to see some really good young players play one of those being Kevin Saucedo. He's a left footed center back from Columbia for us. He, I don't, I don't, he's, he's certainly not MLS ready yet, but I would say whenever Eric Holtz contract winds down, <laughs> that maybe he could be a decent replacement there on a very, very low salary number, but I have gone over my 60 seconds. That is our Monarchs minute for the week. <laughs> you bring up whenever Eric, Eric, runs out whenever Eric's Holt's time is up because his his performances lately have been a little bit questionable. But thank you for that Monarchs Minute. 
Uh, Absolutely. Really encouraging to see some, some young guys, some young players in. But um, in case it wasn't obvious, the Monarchs will not be making the playoffs this year. So we will have <laughs> the play- play- I don't think the Monarchs would have been, have been in playoff contention since maybe the first half of week one. But yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, and there were some spectacular goals from Rio Grande Valley tonight. So you kind of just tip your cap and move on. But but yeah, Monarchs, Monarchs are hoping to just make it through the season, I think. Yes, and we will tip our cap right now and move on. Next segment, which is going to be covering the LA Galaxy and Real Salt Lake game. This midweek, right? Very entertaining game, and this was really kind of the highlight of the week, I would say, for Real Salt Lake. Reading back to that, uh, the five in the back kind of formation, the I would say the five-three-two for. Um, that they have been rolling with lately, and it really worked to their advantage in this game, played a pretty good game defensively, and it was able to pull out the win. Pablo Mastroeni is furious with you right now for calling it a 5-3-2 and not a 3-5-2. He's been, <laughs> he loves to say that he would rather defend with three than have to defend with four. So so I take <laughs> I take umbrage with your with your calling Justin Merrim a left back, but I digress. Uh, before we get too deep into the woods, I would like to acknowledge that it was the first ever Hispanic Heritage Night for... Yep. RSL at the riot, which was awesome. David Ochoa absolutely showed out Mexican national team goalie. And he had a really cool, I don't know if you saw this uh, early on in the week, he delivered a bunch of merchandise, well not merchandise, but like team equipment, like balls and bags and stuff to a local team. I think it was Comba or something like that. Uh, And it, and he talked all about being kind of the humble star and how he wanted to be a good example. And I thought it was just awesome to see. And I think seeing every Hispanic player with their flags around him during the national anthem was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool sight to see. Um, you know, we have a couple players on our team, starting players uh, who are of Latino origin. And so it was really cool to see them show out for their team um, or for their national country, I should say. Um, also, yeah, that was really cool of David Ochoa to take that equipment to that local soccer team. Uh, really good of him. And, uh, you know, speaking about David Ochoa, he had a really good game in this one. And we were able to talk to him in the post-game presser. Um, and he kind of talked about that, uh, the Latino Heritage Night tonight or that night. And he said, you know, it's really cool that there's a whole entire month dedicated uh, to and just kind of a time to be, a, be able to celebrate us. And um, boy, did he have a good game in this one here. Absolutely. You know, obviously, let a goal in from Chicharito, which I mean, who doesn't? There's a who lot. Of, there's a lot. Of people, exactly. There's a lot of people who, who can't save some of his shots, but other than that, played a really good game. Had some really really nice stops, and ultimately, I think he was one of the big reasons that Real got the three points in this one. Yeah, absolutely. He had a really good game. Justin Glad on his 150th MLS appearance against LA yep. also, I felt had a really good game. He's coming into his own in that right center back spot. It still kind of blows my mind that he's not that center center back because I just feel like that's more responsibility and organizational responsibility. I, it just is con- confusing to me, but he's done well in the attack getting forward. And I'm kind of glad to see him glad, huh, glad to see him progressing into that spot because I, I do like the three, five, two, but for it to work, we need pretty good dedicated center backs. And I thought he was one of them last night or I guess not yeah. last night, but Wednesday. Wednesday night, yeah. Justin Glad played fantastic in that game. Uh, we talked about Eric Holt. He played well in this game, but I, I do have some questions about him going forward. Um, also, Tony Dakovich as well was kind of the defender that, I don't know if you can necessarily say he got done over by Chicharito, yeah. but he was guarding Chicharito when Chicharito scored the goal. And, and so, he gave him a ton of space, and yeah. you, you can't get away with that. Dakovich has been 
one of the poorer signings. I hate to say that, you know, so early on in his RSL tenure, but mm-hmm. have we had a game where you can point to him and say he was the best player in the back line? Um, I mean, there wasn't I was really thinking through, but, but was he, has he ever been, have you ever looked at him and thought, yeah, lockdown defender, no one's making it through that left side. And not to say any defender yeah. that we could go out and get without an owner is that necessarily, You're right? Mm-hmm. but it is confusing to me how poor he's been. I mean, the guy got subbed off at halftime against uh, Portland I mean, we would go yeah. on to get obliterated. So I guess maybe that mm-hmm. is, <laughs> you know, a good thing for him. But it's just confusing to me to see. I don't know to see us kind of whiff on a signing like that. I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong and I'm calling it too early. And you know, I've I've said before that I don't want this to become a gloom and doom podcast. And I don't, I don't think this <laughs> this critique is taking us down that path. But I am interested to see if he can maybe progress a little bit as he gets more comfortable, or if this is the player that he is. Yeah, I agree. I for him and for his sake, really, as a as an individual and a player, that he's able to put in some better performances, some better shifts. But we kind of have yet to see that brighter side of things for him. So hopefully, he uh, improves his performance and you know starts playing a little bit better, and uh, maybe can I don't know continue as a regular starter if he's able to to really perform well. So uh, we shall see there. But I would like to know as well that there were. Uh, they did kind of, like you talked about, play more of a two-defensive midfielder role in this one with Pablo Ruiz and Everton Luiz. Ruiz and Luiz. And I thought they played fantastic holding down the defense in the back. Pablo Ruiz actually looked good in this LA Galaxy game. Looked very sharp on the ball, had a lot of energy, and I thought he played extremely well until he got subbed out of the game. Uh, how did you feel about Pablo Ruiz's performance in this one? Yeah, no, my, my notes agree with you. I'm staring down at him, and it just says Pablo <laughs> Ruiz has great game against LA. <laughs> yep. And... As Dunny would say, it's kind of those Jekyll and Hyde performances where, so like I, I don't think you could say he's had a complete season for Ruiz, but he has right. been. When he's on, I think he's one of the best players on the field, and yeah. his partnership with Louise as it gets better and more cohesive, and their roles within this three-five-two get more defined. I think that they could be a very, very formidable midfield. There are some mm-hmm. questions regarding the balance on the defensive side for both of those two, because they do both like to get forward. But I think, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but in the Austin FC game, we saw that get exposed a little bit when they don't, when we don't have a guy in there that covers as much ground as both of those two do like Nick Beasley. So (laughs) I, I I loved Pablo in this game and I can never remember. I think when he came here, they said his name was pronounced Paolo, but every single time they now say Pablo. So I guess I'm going to go with Pablo until somebody says otherwise. But <laughs> I thought he was great tonight. And as I've said before, he every once in a while, he has one of these creative passes that splits like four guys and gets a striker in on goal. And if we can just harness that just a little bit more and get that to be a little bit more consistent, I think he could truly, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I think he could truly become one of the better midfielders in the league. He's, he's that good and he's that young. And I think his ceiling is genuinely that high. Absolutely. I think he's got top tier potential. And uh, another thing, we shall see with Pablo Ruiz, but he definitely is headed in a pretty good direction if he can stay consistent. Um, I would like to also mention, hey, Demir Krylik in the 40th minute had a really nice goal that really got things started for us. It was a very kind of close decision. Uh, we were all kind of holding our breath and to hope and see if it actually was a goal. But yes, the ball did cross the line just 
clearly, and it was a goal in the 45th minute for Krylock on a fantastic header goal. Yeah, and this is where I kind of have to defend my my uh, takes on Twitter a little bit because I've been pretty vocal about thinking this position for Dami isn't his best, and the more I say it, the more goals he scores, so it's kind of hard yes. to refute at this point. But what I want to make clear in this conversation and argument I've been trying to make is that it's not that I don't think Dami isn't effective. It's that I think we become more one-dimensional in attack when he is in with Rubin. When he's in with Rubin, it's crosses into the box and Dami very often finishes them, which is a good thing. Yeah. But his last few goals have come from areas that I don't feel gets the most out of this team and out of this attack. I believe that our ceiling is higher if it's Rubin and Anderson together. And I think that's because Rubin is a really, really, really good hold-up striker, slow the game down a little bit, let people get ahead of him, draw fouls, occupy center backs. And Dami kind of plays this false, false nine, almost a pseudo second 10, which doesn't allow the best of Rubin's abilities to be capitalized on because when he gets the ball in these areas, he's kind of always looking back to both Rusnak and Dami who will very often occupy the same spaces. Whereas if I think we see Rubin and Anderson, he could then have a guy to play through. And I was hoping we could see that with Anderson and Dami, which we did in the 95th minute of this game. We saw, you know, and forward get in behind, make a run between center backs and score an absolute Galazzo to save the game and win us three points at home. But in the game against Austin, we see Dami and Anderson without that true holdup guy. There's no real, there's no connection between the midfield to the point attacker in, I guess not points a bad word because point is very often used for like true out and out nights but for mm-hmm. like the streaking runners in behind there's nobody to connect those two links in the chain so i just think and then but but again you can't you can't really sub out dami as everyone has told me many many times because he is an mls mvp dark horse and probably the best player on this team but i just don't think the puzzle pieces fit best with him in that kind of reserved striker role that is a very, very long-winded way of me saying I want to see Rubin and Anderson play together up top. And maybe Dami in back at the 10 and you shift Albert to a wing. I know I hate saying it out loud. I don't even think I agree with it because Albert, for whatever reason, is not great for us on the wing. Maybe wing back, right. this kind of three-five-two role would be better for him and would suit him more but i just think that the best striker options we have would be rubio rubin and one of bobby wood when he's healthy or anderson julio because i just think you lose a lot and you know pablo even talked about this in his post game at the la game he says every striker brings something different he said rubio rubin does a lot of good things to get us forward and then he said anderson julio is really good at getting in behind as we saw in this game and i think those two things when put together give us the highest ceiling in attack my, my, my piece is done. I, I, I take away my, I, I stand off my soapbox and I, and, and I, I seed the floor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I respectfully disagree with you, but um, I'm here for I, that. I, I'm here I for that. See what you're saying, you and many, but, you and many. Um, you, you'd mentioned in this game, that Anderson Julio comes into the game and we had talked to Anderson. I actually, I had been able to talk to Anderson Julio in a, a media conference leading up to this game. 
And um, hey, you, Alex, you actually sent me this question and said, hey, can you ask Anderson Julio this question? I asked him the question. Just to let you guys know, if any of you guys have questions that you want us to ask the players, let us know. Ask the players. But the question was, how are you adapting to the team that you need to do to get more playing time under Paolo Mastroni? What a good question, said, Ethan. <laughs> he said he feels good. <laughs> he feels content. Um, he says the transition to the team has been great. And he said, I'm happy. My teammates are helping me get used to the feel of the team. And, but he said, ultimately, the playing time is up to uh, our head coach. Um, he feels that uh, that he has to work very hard to put in his best shift. Um, he says, or helping with an assist, whatever I have to do, I have to be ready when I am called upon and do the best that I can. And he did the best that anybody could have done as he gets subbed into this later on in the LA Galaxy game. And you had mentioned it, my blowing play, like the pace to get forward ridiculous. and then just slips the ball up and on the alley, drills it. Weak foot, weak foot too. Don't forget that. Weak foot, left foot. Yeah, yes, amazing shot. Bottom corner. I mean, like this could be this could be Real Salt Lake's like goal of the entire when it happened and how it happened. It was a fantastic goal. The Anderson Julio competition because after this game, I mean Lucas Muller <laughs> Pablo, you know, does this guy get some starting minutes now? Like, come on, we need to yeah. see it. He just we obviously saw him in the Austin game, but um Anderson Julio conversation, uh have been pleading on Twitter and saying, hey, you know what? Let's get this guy some starting minutes up. Yeah, but he's a de- He's playing up top. He doesn't need to come back and play defense that often. Like, I don't even care. I'm, call me a bit. <laughs> I, want us, I want us to get goals. I want us to win games. Anderson Julio has been helping us do that. What do you think, Alex? Hey, you know you don't have to convince me. I don't want to pull out the receipts, <laughs> but I've been trying to get Anderson Julio minutes since the start of the season. I was yep. there for their preseason game when he played in his first minutes and scored a good goal. I've I've always what I've always been in his corner, and I don't even think he is a defensive liability. I don't think we've seen that. I think everybody just kind of started saying it, and everybody started retweeting it, and now everybody kind of believes it. When was the last time we even saw him start a game on the wing? Yeah, it's been it's been a long time. Yeah, I don't even know that forever. he is a defensive liability. Is yeah. Justin Merrim really that much better at defending that he deserves no. <laughs> all these minutes over a guy like Menendez or Julio? I mean, truly, I don't mean to be facetious. Is he honestly that good at defense? I don't right, I don't right. I don't think so. I think even Dunny mentioned it. I think it was in the L.A. game that Chicharito was Merrim's guy and he lost him on his goal. He let him slip mm-hmm. away and wasn't like so. I mean, I have I have issues with Mara playing and that's, you know, well-documented on this, on this pod, but I just, I don't even know that we know that Anderson Julio is a defensive liability. I just don't, I don't think we've seen right. enough to even make that case. So I totally agree. We should see more Anderson and I totally agree. We should see, I don't Well, I mean, you haven't said this, but we should see more Jonathan Benendez because we need to get our best players on the right. field. And I don't mm-hmm. think Michael Chang or Justin Miram are our best players. And so if we want to, as, as I've said earlier, if we want to capitalize on our attack and our, you know, starting 11, I really do think we need to see more Anderson Julio. And right. mm-hmm. I, I've tried to be consistent in that take. So I hope that this doesn't just sound like me screaming into the void because, I mean, we obviously saw it against Austin <laughs> FC and it wasn't, wasn't everything it was billed to be. But I maintain that I still think this is the correct path moving forward. Right. Yeah, um, I absolutely agree. And we'll talk and about getting Anderson one of the best Julio. goals in club history helps a lot too. Oh my gosh. 
yeah, that was amazing. We will probably continue to talk about Anderson Julio in this episode. But before we move on to the Austin game, um, let's talk a little bit about Aaron Herrera. Uh, he's been fantastic. And I did ask him a kind of a question that was more of a thinking question this week in the media sessions. I said, what have you learned in your advanced role as you get forward and move through through like farther up in the attack? What have you learned? And he said, I learned that I'm capable of beating guys 1v1 and creating dangerous chances for us. Um, he said, I always need to be committed to what I am doing. I just always need to be fully committed every time. So uh, he says, whether it's getting forward or coming back, helping on defense, I just need to fully commit. And uh, he has been doing that lately. Last this game, from me, we finally saw Andrew Brody get subbed into this game. Yeah. Great to see him back Good from point. injury. It's been forever since he has played. So um, really happy that he's made a, a relatively quick recovery, and we are happy to have the guy back for even more depth at the wingback position. Yeah, absolutely. He's one of those guys that – came on and kind of lit the team on fire a little bit. So it's good to see him back and healthy and an option off the bench. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Let's go ahead now and talk about the not fun part of this episode. Yeah. It's going to be the Austin game. I love to tweet from Matt Montgomery with this win. Austin comes up to the still in last place in the conference, which (laughs) are, they are a terrible team. I mean, they've been playing a little bit better as of, I mean, really, no excuses in this one. We're a team fighting for playoff position, and we really needed this game. And losing two one and three points on the road. Yeah, and as I, I want to say, it's these Jekyll and Hyde performances, but it's really yep. not. I mean, I, both of us would agree. <laughs> I hope yeah. that we could have easily lost that LA Galaxy game, and we could yeah. have easily lost this game by four or five goals. There were some Austin FC chances. One goes right over the bar. David Ochoa makes some good saves. One gets called, you know, offside. There were, this was the worst team in the West. I, again, I don't want to get doom and gloom, but it's really hard to see us play as poorly as we did today and have some semblance of, you know, optimism going into the most important stretch run of the season. We got a good win at home, but if we can't do it on the road, I don't think we have enough home games through the remainder of the season to snag a playoff spot. And this was really a good chance for us to get a little bit of distance in that situation in the standings and we fumbled the bag really hard and i i don't i don't know where the answers come from i don't know that the 352 gets us to the playoffs i don't i don't think it gets us far in them certainly at all mm-hmm. and i think it's for a couple structural reasons i think without louise in there what you you know what we always hear you gain in nick beasler is his like steady possession play mm-hmm. which Okay, but if we can't keep the ball because we can't get the ball, it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? We Mm -hmm. lost the ball in too many important situations against Austin. And, you know, I take issue with Danny said on the first goal that it was complete dumb luck. And I take issue with that because the initial shot was like inside the box, pretty much unmarked. He just pinged Ochoa like he should have made the first one anyway. So I think Mm -hmm. these weren't you know, soft goals. I think these were pretty self-inflicted like coat. I, I, I don't know that it's a coaching mistake, but our spacing is still just not there in the three, five, two. And then when you start to rotate guys and bring less experience to the lineup, these are the kind of results that you risk to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, this game was pretty 
blocking defensively. I feel I don't pay extreme close attention on other teams in the MLS. I really just get the feeling though that we are the hot, cold team of the MLS. Like, how do we go from having a such fan, such a fantastic performance against a Seattle team to yeah. then getting blown out by Portland? Then we go ahead and we then we somehow lose to the worst team in the West two to one. It to me, and that really worries me come playoff time because we're going to be playing against really good teams who want to advance. And so we need to have our A game every single game. We need to win consecutive games. Otherwise. And so that, I feel like consistency has been for the team this year. But defensively, looks really bad. Uh, Donnie Toya got the start and was actually playing kind of left center back role. And, um, you know, did look fantastic at all. But Demir Krylock did get a really nice. Fantastic assist, really nice through ball, a perfect timing, just barely on sides. Demir Krylock scores again, and I mean, I, I just I love every way, shape, and all this game was fantastic to see. But unfortunately, Cecilio Dominguez did get the best of us in this game, and I do feel like he is by far and away the best player for Austin. So good for him, but still, it's not not an excuse at all. We definitely should have done much better in this game. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, to your point of the Demir goal, this was, until this point with Demir, this was where my my thesis comes from for wanting Anderson, Julio, and Rubio Rubin to play up top because we had never seen Demir and Rubio combine for a goal. I believe this is their first assist to goal score one another. I don't know how to put that phrase. <laughs> right. uh, the first assist one had for the other since we've moved to the three five two and they've been playing up top. So until mm-hmm. that until this goal, we hadn't seen that connection at all. And in this moment we see it because I think we're pressing really hard for a goal on the road. I don't know that it's necessarily a function of the system more than it is a function of the scenario we were in, but the ball in for Menendez was fantastic. I thought that was the best part of the whole play. And you wonder why that guy's not starting over a guy like Justin Miram. So I think we played, you know, you coach scared, your team plays scared a little bit. And I think that's what we came out doing you get a guy like Toya on the back line and a guy like Beasler in the match. And you, it kind of felt like maybe we had seen past this Austin team and had already eyes on the three points before we kind of had them. And mm-hmm. I think that was our undoing a little bit in that we've, you know, played a little suboptimal lineup and I get it three games in seven or eight days. You got to have roster moves and lineup switches. And I, and I, and I get that, but, we've got to prioritize these Western conference games. I mean, we've got one more game against Chicago and that's one of the few Eastern conference teams we'll play. And so that's obviously a must win, but we have got to yep. win these, these gimmies. I mean, I, I can't call it anything other than what it is. Like we, sh- it's the worst team in the West. We should, we should have handily won. And I think a lot of that comes down to the attack and maybe Anderson Julio wasn't the right play in this game. I, yeah. I mean, we all wanted him, and I would agree that he should have been starting, but maybe it should have come on the wing. Maybe you should have continued to kind of nurture that Dami-Rubin uh, connection, even if I don't think it's it's the best route. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. There was just a lot of roster rotation and not a lot of opportunities in the attack. Yeah, definitely. So I, yeah. I don't know. It was yeah, three shots line. on target to Austin's eight. Like this game could have been way worse than it was too. I think that's the part that's really got me down is I had to rewatch mm-hmm. it. You know, first of all, Hey, KSL TV app, will you please let me fast forward? It is so frustrating yeah. that I have to watch all 30 minutes of pregame and all 15 minutes of halftime, but I, I digress. Uh, 
to have to rewatch this game, not live because I, I missed it was in knowing the score. I was at least hopeful that, you know, they got some garbage goals and we right. didn't really deserve to lose to just, you know, sleep mm-hmm. better tonight, but we did deserve to lose and we probably deserve to lose by a little bit more than we did. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's frustrating to say the least. Yeah. David Ochoa stood on his fantastic game in this one as well. It's really good performances back to back from Ochoa. Um, but Pablo Ruiz, as we had mentioned, he had a fantastic game against LA Galaxy. Looked a little dull in this one. Not super great. Low energy, it kind of looked like. And um, we talked after the game was over. Uh, Rubio Rubin had mentioned energy. And, uh, well, Tom Hatch, he said, just kind of felt like energy was a little bit low. Do you feel the same way? And he said, yeah, definitely. Energy was kind of all out of sorts in this one. Um, but I, I do want to ask you a quick question. Um, we're going to play a little game, if that's okay. I um, love this. So let's play a game. It's called uh, Who Would You Rather Start at the Justin Merrim <laughs> position? All right. So uh, let's go ahead and start. So Justin Merrim or Jonathan Menendez? Come on. You know it's Jonathan Menendez. There's, okay. I, I'm going to tell you straight up. There's not going to be many that aren't yeses, Hold on. but continue. Justin Merrim or Noah Powder? Noah Powder. Well, that, that one's tricky because <laughs> yeah. Noah has looked poor in his – his few sub appearances, but you know, I'm a Noah powder Stan and was, <laughs> it was on that train before it even arrived at the station. So, Ooh, <laughs> that one, that one's, that one's a much tougher one, but I would still, I would still probably go Noah powder. I think Merrim has like two goals on the season. And as I said earlier, he's not that good defensively. Like Aaron Herrera is fantastic defensively. Justin yep. Merrim just does the bare minimum of air quotes, getting back. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just, I mean, I would, and Noah Powder, you know, played a lot of left back minutes for the Monarchs. So I would hope that, that he could be better defensively. And he's yet like, we got to get through, as I said, he did have these, I'm getting way off topic here, but he <laughs> did kind of have these lumps in those games, but that's what you have with young players. And we have to play yep. through that to let him progress. So actually I've talked myself into it. Noah Powder is the final answer. Correct. Continue. Okay. In case you're keeping track at home, I also agree with Jonathan Menendez and I also like Noah Powder. Uh, that was actually a fast and easy one for me. What about a fully healthy Andrew Brody or Justin Merrim? Andrew Brody. Even on the left, <laughs> I still like Andrew Brody. I think fully healthy. I, I agree with that one. Last one. This might be but, uh, Justin Merrim or Michael Chang. Justin Merrim. <laughs> Justin Merrim. I, I like Michael and he does have for, they always tout that for the number he's on, he has really good offensive stats. But I still, I am a Justin Merriman. Mean, possession's too good. Justin Merriman. Okay. Not too good, but I, he is better than Michael Chang, in my uh, opinion. <laughs> uh, Michael Chang brings, mm, it's like a tough one. I have to give the slight edge to Michael Chang. I just really, I mean, I, I love Justin Merriman as a human being, sure, but I just don't like the performances that he gives us. He Ask me, and, Anderson Julio or Justin so. Merriman. Okay, Anderson Julio. Anderson Julio. Thank you. Okay. Uh, what a, <laughs> All right, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. What about playing a center back position? Would you prefer Donnie Toya or Anderson Julio? <laughs> I'm just you know, no, I'm just kidding. Joke, uh, but. <laughs> but I mean, Noah Powder is actually my answer. Noah Powder, yeah. Donnie Toya. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, okay. Uh, we've gotten a little off track, but um, in the end, yeah, really tough defeat in this game. Um, you know, post game press conference, there was a lot of uh, gloom and just kind of you know, energy was off. It was a rough game, uh, but. We look forward and we progress and look and forward quickly to... before we before we get too fast at that Rapids game. I would Go like ahead, to say that it. the best 
moment of this game was the halftime show from Elliot, where he said Deloy Hansen has no influence on the club right now. That is a question I've been asking. And we have now, you know, through this been made to assume that there is absolutely zero DLH fingerprints on anything the club does. That is a question I have had and have asked and have not had a conclusive answer on have heard some things, but you know, it's hard to, to trust that until you see it from a guy at the club like Elliot come out and say it. And so that is awesome to hear. I'm hoping we can just move on and move forward. And things like the Hispanic heritage night are an awesome culture shift to get back to where we should be as a club. And I very much appreciate that. And I hope Elliot fall continues on in his position to do great things and hire a good coach and stays on and keeps the culture moving in the right place. Yep. He gone. And speaking of moving forward and progressing, we're going to do that now. And look ahead wow, to, professional transition. <laughs> to Real Salt Lake's next game is going to be a little bit of a, a break. We got the next game for Real Salt Lake is going to be on Saturday, October 16th at the right at home against the going to be a really big, huge, fun, fantastic game. Definitely got to tune into that one. Colorado, Colorado Rapids are also pretty high in the playoffs. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think they're third or fourth right now. So we're kind of hanging a little yeah, bit behind them. This is a, a really big game for Ray Al Salt Lake. Um, Rocky so Mountain Cup's really in the balance. Rocky Mountain Cup, exactly. So it'll be interesting to see what formation they choose to go with, uh, You know, just kind of how everything ends up because we've got a huge break, a lot of rest. So really no excuses in this one. Everyone's got to look really, really good. So those are kind of my final thoughts on everything. Do you have any final words, Alex? You know, I, I got nothing else. Onward and upward, on to the next. Keep it moving. Let's get to the playoffs and then see where we're at from there. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you all for tuning in and listening to our fantastic podcast tonight. Yeah, really pat ourselves it. on the back right there. <laughs> like really hope you enjoy this week. Go ahead and at Ethan Kershaw 9 on Twitter and follow Alex at Alex Maurer on Twitter. We'll help RSL news updates. We're here for you guys. And also remember to ask us questions that we can ask the players. Anything you want to know, we're going to be able to, to help facilitate that for you. So yeah, we're, we're some of the few you. that make it to all those, all those things. <laughs> you make it to every single one. I make it to the ones that aren't during class scheduled time, but yeah, hit us up with questions for players and stuff because we want to know what kind of interviews we should go after and try to get and what questions we should ask in post-game and midweek coverage. Yeah, absolutely. We want to hear them. So thank you all for listening once again. I uh, hope you all have a fantastic night and a fantastic week. And we will talk to you all later. See ya. TheHiveSports.com has all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State, covering prep, college, pro, and church sports. No way, really? Okay, maybe not that last one. If you want to stay in the know about all things Jazz, Cougars, Aggies, and Utes, then this is the site for you. TheHiveSports.com. We may even feature your high school. So check us out today at TheHiveSports.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out TheHiveSports.com because we got the buzz.